Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Sunday, February the 4th. And welcome to our commentary. Today, we're going to be chatting with our good friend, Alan Wall. And we'll be talking a great deal about what's happening on the U.S.-Mexico border. Let me say hello to Alan. Alan, welcome. It's always a great pleasure to have you. Well, thank you. This is my second time to be on your show uh, this year or so. That's pretty good so far. I I, I think you must be becoming a favorite. uh, (laughs) You must be becoming one of our favorite guests. You know, we're going to this is, I think, the third time you've been on video because we used to do it. As you remember, by audio, we had you on several times. Yeah. I'm starting to get uh, used to it. It's it's a little different. It's very different. It is different. I enjoy it, actually. I I think the video. it, it, I don't know. I mean, it's nice to see somebody's face. Okay. Uh, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess uh, that's, <laughs> but you have a new website. You mentioned that the last time you sent me the link and yes. you're developing this. And, and I think it's a great idea to talk a little bit about it. Yes. It's my, my latest project, a new website called Mexico news report. And my intention is to, to try to cover, you know, Mexico news, which of course there are plenty of other platforms that do that, but I would like to, I feel like there's some things that are left out in English language coverage of Mexico. And I would like to, you know, try to fill in some of the gaps. That's my plan. And I've, you know, it's just been launched. So it's, it's just barely getting started, but I'd, you know, like to invite anyone who would like to check it out. It's uh MexicoNewsReport.com. Right. That's, that's all you have to put. And I have a uh, on your name on, on the show information, I okay. put the link on there. So hopefully that gets you a few clicks. Uh, but I think it's yeah. a good idea. You know, our uh, our other friend uh, in Mexico, Teres Margolis, has that that uh, website, Pulse News Mexico. Right. Uh, right. Yours reminds me a little bit of the other one that where we first met. Uh, the one uh, Mexi data, Mexi data, kind of reminds yes. me a little bit of that. Uh, I, I right. think, uh, I, I think, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of that. And uh, well, so does Pulse News. That one reminds me a little bit of that too. My yeah. feeling, and I think you mentioned this the last time, is that I, I think we need as much information from Mexico as we can get, because um, I don't think we have enough, and I don't think we understand what's happening in Mexico enough. We'll talk about some of these things later. And I think the more people who put something on the internet about Mexico, like you and others, I think it's great. I think it's good for me. At least I follow it. Right. We need to get as, as much reportage as we can, uh, you know, study different issues, different facets of the society, because I think the mainstream media often leaves, they leave a lot of things out. So we just need more, you know, more people uh, bringing us information about Mexico in, in English. Right. That's what we need. One of the my biggest frustrations about uh, coverage of Mexico is that it seems that everything was always focused on, on the immigration side issue. Yes. That, that issue, I always felt, got a disproportionate amount of coverage. Right. Uh, and what I mean by that is that it affected actually a – I mean – there are really very few people who are as impacted 
like myself, I'm not impacted by immigration reform. I'm not impacted by DACA, but I am impacted by what's happening on the border. And so there was always a, a great deal of coverage of immigration and immigration reform. But, you know, honestly, I think 90% of the Hispanic people or even Mexicans who live in the United States are more impacted by some of the stuff that you're going to be writing about or some of the stuff that, for example, they write about in Pulse News Mexico. I, I just think that that is more interesting and more relevant for people who are here than immigration, immigration, immigration. It seems like that's the only thing the media ever wants to talk about, Alan. Well, yeah, we just need to look at the, the whole uh, perspective, you know, including immigration, but not limited to it. There's a lot of other things about, uh, you know, crime in Mexico, about the politics, about the economy, the culture. Uh, there's just all sorts of topics that are often uh, ignored in, in the media, it seems. Absolutely. Well, let me just briefly touch on a, a subject not directly about Mexico, sort of indirectly, I guess. It's a neighbor of Mexico, and that is the elections that are taking place today in El Salvador, where by all accounts, President uh, Bucale is going to be reelected in huge numbers. Uh, we don't have any numbers yet, but every, every, pre every prediction is that he's going to be reelected by landslide. And I think it's a fascinating story, the story of this man and what he's done in his country. Now, a lot of people call him, you know, cool dictator, and he does have that personality. He's got the sunglasses and, you know, he, he's kind of a cool guy. You know, he, he dresses, uh, doesn't always dress like a president, I guess. And he's got a beautiful wife. And I think, uh, in fact, I think they're expecting a baby sometime soon. But I mean, he makes a great photo okay but he's also turning out to be a heck of a good president i mean when he took over el salvador that was a nightmare a criminal mess yeah. and today it's certainly a much better country than it was certainly it's a heck of a lot safer than it was four years ago alan right and i know that uh, some americans have criticized him for you know violation of human rights but Think about it. For decades, you had this horrible murder rate. Isn't that a violation of human rights? And uh, it, you just can't. It's just amazing what he's done. And, you know, maybe it wouldn't work everywhere. Uh, and maybe uh, they need to make other changes later. But it's, it's just amazing what he's done. And I think the people appreciate it. And all all the polls I've seen show that he's going to win in a landslide. He has a very right. high approval rate. And I, I reported on this in a VDR article uh, last month, but there's actually a Mexican politician who has at least one, maybe more, who has floated the idea of doing something similar in Mexico, which, of course, would be a massive, that would just be a massive project. But he said, why is it that El Salvador, who has uh, a country with fewer resources than we have, can do it? Why can't we do it? Right. He actually, you know, floating that idea, I think uh, more Latin American countries are, are going to be discussing that as time goes on. Well, I think so, because he what he understands, and I think this is the reason he's so popular. And I, I wrote an article about this over at the American Thinker today. I where, saw it. Yes. Yeah, where I was saying that what he gets is that 
and the reason he's popular in the countryside and with poor people is that he gets something that a lot of politicians don't get. And that is that when you have these gangs running around and all this crime running around, the people who are mostly impacted are the poor people and especially women. Yes, who exactly. are victims of crime. Uh, and, right. you know, the rich neighborhoods, they don't worry about this because they have right. their security and they have guards gates. and Walls. gates and, you know, and dogs, you know, Dobermans running yeah. around their front yard. I mean, you if you get yeah. in one of those homes, it'll be the last home you ever tried to rob. I mean, right. if you can get through if you can get through the Dobermans uh, yeah. that they have uh, and and and. Obviously, poor people don't have that. And and if you're a small merchant uh, in a small town and it's you against uh, the criminal gang, well, they've got it on you. They can control you and, and, and take money from you. So I think this is why he's so popular. And this is what I hope some other leaders in Latin America understand, that if you can be if you can handle this kind of crime, you're actually helping the poor people. Because they're exactly. the victims for the most part. Yes. It's right. it's sort of like what happens in our cities. I mean, who are the victims of all this crime in Chicago? It's not the white people who live in the suburbs. You know, they're not they're not being impacted by it to the same degree that blacks are in Chicago or some other cities. So I, I think he realizes that he had the the common sense to pick up on that. And, and that's why I think he's going to win big and he's probably going to carry most of the poor, uh, not poor necessarily, but most of the, you know, the the country districts and and the, the cities and everything. So I, I got to give it to the guy. He's really been a smart politician. And yes, he is kind of cool on top of all of that. You know, <laughs> he does. I mean, he, 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 uh, he looks like a movie star. You know, when you look at this guy, you know, I mean, the women must be crazy about him because he looks like, you know, he's a movie star, you know, like Omar Sharif or something like that. You know, uh, I mean, the guy is just absolutely uh, stunning. So uh, we don't have any numbers, but I agree with you. I think the numbers are going to be huge when they come in. Well, let's talk a little bit about the U.S.-Mexico border. I know that's one of your interests and one of the reasons that I wanted to chat with you today. There's a big thing happening on the border where Texas is doing something no one had ever done before, and that is they're using a clause in the Constitution saying that this is an invasion and an imminent threat, and therefore Texas can defend itself if the federal government is not doing its job. What can you tell us about this? I'm, I'm sure you understand it quite well about this invasion clause and how Texas is presenting it, Alan. Well, of course, in Article One, Article Four of the Constitution, it says that the federal government has a responsibility to protect the states from invasion. But in an Article One, though, it presents a hypothetical situation, hypothetical for the drafters of the Constitution not for Texas today, it's actually happening, a, an invasion. And it says that the rules are different if there's an invasion and a state can do certain things like, you know, keep troops and do other, you know, warlike activities if they are being invaded. And so, you know, people, some people falsely accuse Governor Abbott of, you know, just being a 
some kind of rebel that wants to, uh, you know, defy the government. But I believe the real problem here is that the federal government is not living up to its responsibilities. And so he has to do something. And I commend him, you know, for what he's done. And uh, it looks like he's they're they're continuing. And today, Sunday the 4th, there were like 15 governors uh, who came down to the border. I happened to see the, the, the moment that was happening. They were carrying it live on, on one of the channels. And, you know, they were governors, Republican governors. But right. nevertheless, there were quite a few of them. And I think 25 have formally agreed to help them. And now I heard that Governor uh, Lamont, Democrat of Connecticut, is also going to be joining uh, the effort. That would be a, a, a real story if, wow. if a Democrat, Democrat joined. Yeah, that's great. And uh, and the one person who ought to be here is the governor of Arizona because one of the consequences, and my friend George Rodriguez mentioned this to me the other day, that Texas has pretty much closed the border. I mean, it's hard to get into Texas right now. Very difficult to get into Texas because of what the governor is doing. So they're now going around and going into Arizona. And my gosh, Arizona just doesn't have the same resources that we do. And, you know, if a thousand people go into Arizona, they have a much bigger impact in their economy and their social services than a thousand people in Texas, Alan. Well, I've seen the footage from Lukeville, Arizona, that. It's pretty bad. And, and plus, another difference with Arizona, it's a land border. There's no river dividing the countries. It's just land. So it's actually easy to, easier to get into. Right. And and I, what is the name of that city on the border? Uh, they have several cities on the border, don't they? Uh, yes. And I but know there's what, Lookville, there's right. uh, Nogales. Nogales. Uh, I know that there's one place that the governor has publicly said that their 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 hospitals are just exhausted. They they don't have any room in in the hospitals. Oh, so uh, yes. that's that's another. But again, I bring up Arizona because they're much smaller than Texas. I mean, the GDP of Arizona it, maybe it's smaller than Dallas Fort Worth. I mean, let's say the North oh, yeah. Texas here. So they have a lot of less resources and their right. economy is not, let's say, booming like the Texas economy is. So they just don't have uh, as many resources as as we have them. But that the governor of Arizona, it's uh, a lady. I can't think of her name right now, but she's the one who won the very close election in 2022. Hobbs, and, right? Katie Hobbs. Hobbs, yeah. And. She doesn't have a lot of resources, and if she doesn't act real soon, that, I mean, Arizona could be, I mean, literally just flooded with people coming in. And oh, right. my friend George Rodriguez was saying that many of the people who are going into Arizona are not necessarily coming from Central America. They are from some of those other countries that we keep hearing about. So right. now, let me have your reaction to this, because... I keep hearing people say that you're seeing a bunch of young men, single or independent or whatever you want to call them, young men who are coming into the country. 
And is that what you're what you're what is that what you're seeing? Yeah, that's the footage I see too. Yeah, mostly young men, right? Uh, the same thing in Europe, for that matter. You know, the uh, people that come in from Africa and the Middle East, it's it's mostly males. Like they say, military-aged males, they often call them that. Right. And then, of course, you know, those kinds of, of young men, I guess many of them want to work, and that's fine. I understand that. But they're coming from countries that we don't usually see on the border. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what worries me. They're coming from from countries uh, that most Americans probably couldn't even find in a map. Frankly, I couldn't find many of those countries in a map either. And you have to wonder, you know, why all of a sudden we're getting all these different countries. Uh, I don't get it. You know, I, I understand they want to come. But when when you see them walking, I mean, the pictures I've seen or the videos I've seen, they're walking almost like in a formation, you know, one after the other. And it it's, I don't know, they, they, they all look pretty healthy to me, uh, Alan. Right. And, and you've got these uh, international routes established, like uh, people will fly over from Africa, they'll go to South America, come up through the, uh, through Panama and very well established routes by now, you know, to, to get to get to the United States. It's just amazing how, what a huge uh, phenomenon it is. Right. And, and the money, whoever's doing this is making a lot of money because nobody flies for free. Right. I mean, right. these are not free trips. Uh, somebody's making a lot of money. I remember uh, I, a lady from Venezuela was telling me that she got from Venezuela to Colombia. Now she was paying her way. She wasn't, Nobody was paying her way, but she did have to pay people uh, from Colombia all the way up to the Mexican border. She was paying people all the way. Right. And then when she got to the Mexican border, uh, then they took a bus to the United States. But, I mean, whenever the bus would stop, they they would have to pay off people because there'd be all kinds of police people, you know, asking them for their papers. And the only way they could they could get back in the bus would be to pay bribes, mordidas, to, to, to keep on going. So by the time she got to the border, she didn't have any money. She had wow. pretty much spent all her own private money uh, just getting to, to the border. Now, she was able to cross under one of these uh, programs, and she was able to cross. And thankfully, she knew somebody in the United States who at least went to the border to greet her. And at least she was able to, you know, drive somewhere. Uh, otherwise, she would have been literally stuck by herself on the border without any money. That is how right. how a lot of these people are traveling. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a pretty typical story, Alan. Probably is. Yes. Yeah. Now, to your knowledge, has any other governor in American history used this invasion clause? Because I couldn't find any other example I, of it. I don't know of any. I. I mean, there could be, but I really can't think of anything that is similar to this situation. No, because we always we always had presidents in the past who took the border seriously. I mean, even Obama, I didn't like Obama, but Obama deported a bunch of people. I mean, he deported lots and lots of people. And I think all the other presidents at least, you know, had a, had an understanding that the border had to be secure. 
something's happened to President Biden that doesn't make any sense to me as to why he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't want to secure the border because politically this is costing him a, a lot, uh, Alan. If you look at all the polls, he's down 20 to 30 points on this issue of the border and immigration, Alan. That's right. And you even have, you know, some Democrats complaining about it. Uh, look at John Fetterman, for example. And uh, so I think what we're really going to find out, you know, the, the election is about nine months away. So we're going to see how this really pans out and if it's going to really hurt Biden in the election. We're, we're soon going to find out. Well, it has to. It has to. Now, yes. they're hoping that the economy bails them out. But uh, it has to hurt him because this is now this is this is the one thing. And the reason I think it has to hurt him is because I think most Americans expect their government to to protect their border. I mean, I don't think that's a partisan thing. It shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't it should be. be. I mean, so I think that's, uh, uh, you know, that that's, uh, you know, now. One of the, the points is that the Supreme Court, and this is being repeated in some of the media as if the governor is defying a Supreme Court order. But in fact, the Supreme Court didn't say anything That's right. about Texas. This is kind of, it was kind of a wacko order that they, because they really yeah. didn't, I think basically what they said was, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what they said was, well, yeah, the Border Patrol can cut the, uh, the cable or the wire, but Texas can put it back. They kind of said something like that, right? Well, that's Is that what how I you read it? it. It it said that the the federal government could cut those those wires. It really isn't much to it, really, you know. But it actually did not enjoin anything specifically on the state of Texas. Well, that's so it. It didn't it didn't tell Texas to do anything. Yes. I mean, and right. and now I, I guess the next step is for the Supreme Court to write one of three opinions. Number one opinion would be the federal government is right, Texas, you need to obey. The second yeah. one would be Texas is right, federal government, get your act together. Or the third one, and, you know, this one might be a little crazy, Alan, but they may actually say, you know what, we're not going to write an opinion about this. We're going to leave this in the political arena and let you guys figure it out meaning voters, you guys figure it out. Uh, you know, if you don't like what the governor is doing, vote against him. And, uh, or if you like what he's doing, vote for him. So I, you know, that's a possibility too. They don't necessarily have to write an opinion about this. And, and there's a fellow by the name of uh, Reynolds. And I have a post about this coming out tomorrow. He wrote about this today saying that this is a possibility that the, the Supreme Court may just say, we're not going to get involved. It's a political matter. And, you know, that <laughs> they could do that, Alan. Right, right. And I guess that would just create more confusion if they did that. But but uh, what the heck, we're already pretty confused. But I will say this, before we get to the Mexico elections, um, I heard somebody say this today, and I wonder if you agree with this, that Governor Abbott, is about is the most influential politician in the United States today. I mean, he has literally taken over the front page. Uh, and I would argue that if something were to happen to Trump, 
I think Governor Abbott could very well get the nomination, Alan. Oh, that's uh I wonder if he's thought I wonder if Governor Abbott has thought much about that. Well, I, I don't know that that's what motivated him, but you know, stranger things have happened. Right. Because can yeah. you think of a of a Republican that would be more popular right now than Governor Abbott? I can't think of one. I mean, he's hugely popular. I talked to people, I was talking to a friend of mine in Wisconsin, and they all think he's great. He's got the publicity and the limelight, and uh, anything's possible. But I think most people support what he's doing from the polling data that I'm seeing. Uh, That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me uh, before we run out of time talk a little bit about the elections in Mexico coming up on I think the first Sunday in July is when they vote. It, well, it's in June this year. Oh, in June, so it's June even closer than I thought. It's four months. Right. My goodness. Now, am I crazy or I haven't seen much of a campaign by anybody? You know, normally well, you know, have you, you, know, have you have seen anything? Stages in the campaign. And the all-out campaign officially begins March 1st. So I, I think they're allowed to use more funds and uh, do do more things. So I think it'll get pretty uh, more heavy-duty after M- March 1st. Oh, okay. Well, then it'll be, what, three months, I guess, of very heavy campaigning, March right. 1st to first Sunday of June. Now, the polling data that I've seen has this lady – who represents uh, Lopez Obrador's party, Claudia Scheinbaum. Scheinbaum, yeah. Right. Um, she's uh, leading in a, in a big right. number. Right. And she's running. Points, what I saw. Yeah, yeah. And she's running against another lady. So the next president of Mexico is going to be a woman, more than likely. Right. And she's running against a, a lady by the name of Valdez. Is it Valdez? Soshi? Uh, Galvez. Galvez. Soshi Galvez. Right. And. Right. I have some Mexican friends uh, in a group that we get together on Friday mornings. It's an, a Latin American group. And when I told them about these polls, they say, oh, they're fake. Don't believe them. Well, okay. I don't know, honestly, one way or the other. I don't know if they're fake or if they're true. But, you know, some of these polls in Mexico have been pretty reliable in, in recent elections. I don't know if you agree with that. Well, and after all, uh, look what, AMLO did he he had a majority you do not need a majority to win in Mexico but he had a majority 53 percent if so I don't know we'll see uh we'll see about this one and well uh, the other thing too Alan is that there isn't a third party or a third candidate too normally like the last time they were like well there's a minor one uh Alvarez Minez of the citizens movement but he's he's like five percent in the polls is that the one who's advocating tougher? Yes. Okay. Yes, he's the one who floated the idea of uh, doing something similar to what they did in El Salvador. Maybe he wants to get attention uh, because he's down there at 5%, you know. Well, but, you know, I guess that would be a good way to get attention if they can get him in a debate. Yes. The, the problem now is that, I don't know if he'll get right. into the debate because he's so know. low. But right. if he can get into a debate and say stuff like that, because insecurity is the number one topic that I hear about Mexico. I mean, the economy seems to be doing okay. Right. Inflation yes. seems to be doing okay. But it's insecurity. I mean, what's happening uh, in 
in the border and what's what's happening inside Mexico, you know, a lot of criminality. That's what I hear. I, I don't know if you hear the same thing. Well, it, and it seems like uh, the opposition candidate, Sochi Galvez, she's talking about that. Oh, okay. For Claudia Scheinbaum, it's difficult for her to talk about that because she would have to defend her party's record because, you know, under AMLO, they have their, it, the murder rate is increased under AMLO. Right. And how is she going to explain that? So she probably would prefer just uh, not to talk about that topic. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she does. I, I think, but it is interesting if she is elected, not only is she going to be the first woman president, but I think she's going to be the first Jewish president. She's right. of Jewish religion. And because of her last name, I think she's Hungarian or Serbian well, uh, her, on her family, on her father's side, I think. Well, her, her father was uh, Ashkenazi Jewish and her mother was Sephardi Jewish. And so, yeah, she would be the first uh, the first Jewish president of Mexico, at least at least officially. Right. Yeah. I, I can't think of any other who has has been Jewish before, but. Where did her family come from with that last name? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. Probably Eastern Europe. Probably. Well, that's what I thought. That's what I, I thought that it was Serbian or something like that, or uh, from one of those countries that used to be a part of the Soviet bloc, or one of the countries where many Jewish people fled. I right. guess after World War II or during or before World War II. But uh, the only the my only you know I guess reference to her is that I've seen her speak, and she she comes across more as a bureaucrat, whereas the other lady comes across more as a politician. That's the only thing I can, I can say. And I don't know what Mexico wants at this point. Do they want a more populous kind of person, or do they want kind of an administrator? I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, but what, okay. what, are you, what are you hearing? I, I guess we'll find out in June because, uh, of course, we know that, you know, AMLO is a, he's kind of a demagogue and he's, but he has a, a very, uh, you know, expressive personality. A lot of people like his personality, you know, the people who vote for him. But I think what Scheinbaum is trying to do is just build on what AMLO has already accomplished. Right. She's kind of a, you know, Follow, uh, following his coat, you know, his coat there, and uh, that's what she she hopes to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a big task. It's a big task because of of Trump's. I mean, uh, <laughs> I said Trump because a Mexican friend of mine said that Lopez Obrador and Trump are very similar in terms of personality, in the sense that when they walk into the room, they just take over, <laughs> uh, just like Trump does, and and that Lopez Obrador is the same. And again, this lady, Claudia, she she's a lot more reserved, a lot more quiet. And maybe that's what Mexico needs. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. But she she's going to have her hands full because this insecurity issue is is a major problem. And the other thing, too, they're going to have to do something about energy because Mexico oh, yeah. is doesn't. I mean, the energy industry is pretty much been I mean, it's in crisis. And I thought one of the things that that Peña, Peña Nieto did was at least he tried to privatize a little right. bit of the energy and Lopez Obrador, I think, shut that down. 
Yeah, he backtracked on that, which yeah. I think was a big mistake. I think so too, so, because the country needs to uh, privatize a little bit more its uh, right its energy and bring in more more foreign investment in that right. way. Well, we'll talk more about maybe the next time we get together as we get closer to the election, we can get a better sense of of what's happening. But I'm I'm anxious. I'm going to have to find out about that other candidate who is talking about insecurity, because I think if they get into a debate, he may go up in the polls with that message, uh, Alan. Yeah. So the whole question is, will he be in the debate? I, I want to, I want to watch the debates anyway. They're always. Well, yeah. I, the last time there was a guy from Monterey called El Bronco. I think they called him. Yes. He was pretty entertaining. He was, he stole the show. I yeah. mean, I, he had probably ended up helping Lopez Obrador. Right. Because, you know, he just basically he became kind of the star of the debate and uh, and so on. But I thought he had a great name, El Bronco. You know, I thought that was uh, a fabulous name. Well, Alan, have a great uh, have a great evening. And as always, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you so much. And your website again? MexicoNewsReport.com. All right. All right. We have a link to it on the show information, but uh, check it out. I did. I looked at it today and you're already starting to do a lot of contributions in there. So that's good. You're yeah. I hope things it, in there. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm is, excited about it. I hope to get it, get it rolling this year. You know, I'm pretty that, sure you will. I'm pretty sure you will because there is a market for that kind of information. I'm sharing it with friends and uh, hopefully they, you. they can, uh, they can follow you. Have a great day, Alan. Thanks. You too. All right. Our good friend, uh, Alan Wall, uh, blogger, and as, as we just learned, started a brand new website about Mexico. Look, as I said during the, our conversation with Alan, I think we always need more information about Mexico because uh, so much of what you read up here, it's all about the border or immigration. And there's a lot more to Mexico than that. Uh, you know, you have a trillion dollar GDP, huge economy. Uh, major trading partner, I think the number one trading partner with the United States, certainly with Texas, the number one trading partner. So it's a big market and something that we need to know what's going on. And they've got elections uh, coming up this year, which uh, are important to us. We need to know what's going on in the elections. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.